tachycardia, hypertension, increased respiratory rate, diaphoresis, dry mouth, upset stomach. No, we're not talking about the sympathetic nervous system today. In our first back to school episode of season four of the Peds NP, I'm gonna help you get ready for a new semester with a how-to guide on how to give a scholarly presentation. I'm your host, Becky Carson, clinical assistant professor at Catholic University in Washington, DC, and I hope you'll stay tuned as we talk about the do's and don'ts of scholarly presentations. From formatting your PowerPoint to Zoom etiquette and the sweaty palm-inducing public speaking engagement. I think it's extremely important for nurse practitioners to disseminate their knowledge in the scholarly literature and on the public stage. You may be thinking that you're not doing any groundbreaking research, so why should you get up on that stage and speak to the masses? Well, one day you might create something novel that will be important to share and you need to be ready for it. But in the meantime, your expert research of a disease will add to the foundational knowledge of your peers or that interesting patient will be a great exercise in diagnostic reasoning and critical thinking. And before we dive deep into the content today, I wanna reassure you that your glossophobia, also known as a fear of public speaking, is not unique. Only about 10% of people are truly debilitated by it, and another 10% are thrilled by the crowd, which leaves the remaining 80% of us to have a natural, nervous, sweaty armpit reaction that can be worked through with practice and preparation. My high school track coach used to always tell me that it's okay to have butterflies in your stomach, You just have to learn how to make them fly in formation. And that's exactly what we're gonna do here today. Let's get started with the characteristics of a clear, thoughtful presentation. I'm gonna assume that you've already done the research on your topic in the scholarly literature. To get started, create an outline of how you wanna convey your topic. Think about the flow of your presentation as you lay out the roadmap of your discussion points. Your presentation should unfold like an onion, where you peel back the layers that guide the viewer to your most important points. That flow may look differently based on what you're speaking about. So for a case presentation, you should Hansel and Gretel style, leave breadcrumbs for your audience to understand the presentation of the patient, their initial diagnostic workup, before revealing the end diagnosis and management. Whereas in a discussion of a disease process like we have in our weekly lectures, you might start with discussion of the pathophysiology and epidemiology to frame the disease before then discussing the typical presentation, clinical manifestations, workup, and management. Or perhaps you're sharing a quality improvement project. In those QI presentations, your presentation will keep a similar format to a journal article. You should start with the introduction to the problem to hook your audience then discuss your understanding of the local problem that led you to this project, review of the literature, your theoretical framework, the methods of the innovation, project design and implementation, and finally, the results, analysis, and your conclusions. No matter what the format of your presentation may be, one of the most important things you should do in creating a presentation is use clear and succinct headings at the top of each slide to aid in the organization and clarity of your presentation's flow. There are some standard slides that you'll use in any presentation, so I want to talk about your title slide and objectives. A clear, thoughtful title tells the audience what the presentation is about. Think of this like the title of the paper you'd be submitting to a journal. 
It should be tight, concise, and to the point of what you'll speak about. I really hate cutesy titles with puns and jokes because I think we need to be presenting ourselves like the experts in pediatric care that we are. And when we have a title like Changing Dirty Diapers, Modifications in Care of Pediatric Diarrhea, it just sucks the professionalism out of the room from the moment you start, and you may never have the opportunity to earn that respect back. Use a clear title for knowledge-based presentations like Thyroid Disorders in the Pediatric Patient. Use the Presenting Complaint for a Case Presentation, Five-Year-Old with Headache and Vomiting, and tell the innovation for a QI presentation, nurse-initiated pathway for asthma in the emergency department. Now that you've created a title that tells the audience what you'll be speaking about, it's time to put your name below it. In the nursing profession, we can have an alphabet of letters behind our names. I have 15, but there's an equation that you need to follow when accurately describing your credentials in a presentation. It should go your name, comma, highest degree, comma, professional licensure, comma, and any certifications. So for example, mine would be Becky Carson, DNP, APRN, CPNP, PC, slash AC. Because I have a doctorate of nursing practice, I'm a nurse practitioner, and I'm certified in pediatric primary and acute care. Now for NP students out there, I would suggest using your current credentials without focusing on the fact that you're a student. So let's do an example with an NP student who has a bachelor's degree and is certified as a pediatric nurse. The name would be Becky Carson, BSN, RN, CPN. This gives the audience a lot of context. You should be proud of every letter because you worked hard for them. So take the time to order them correctly. When presenting as an invited speaker at a conference, your second slide will be disclosures, but these usually aren't necessary when presenting at school or in your job unless you have something major to disclose. Next should be your objectives. These are learning goals for the audience to achieve by listening attentively to your talk. You should use active verbs that have a measurable behavioral outcome to ensure that your audience's thinking progresses to higher levels. One great tool you can use to create your objectives is Bloom's Taxonomy Verbs. A quick Google search will generate that list. Bloom's Taxonomy Verbs offer four categories of higher education learning achievements, knowledge, comprehension, application, and analysis. Your verbs should be from multiple different categories because you wanna help the learner move beyond simple memorization and generate more complex thought. The taxonomy categories get sequentially more complicated with a need for deeper analysis, which is exactly what you want from your presentation. Most of the time, you want to have three to five objectives, so it's a good goal to have one objective from each category. PowerPoint is a great visual tool that can engage your audience, but it's a double-edged sword because it can also put them to sleep if poorly executed. Let's talk about the do's and don'ts of PowerPoint slides. Do start off your creation of the slides by finding a simple theme or template. I often use a basic white background with black letters in my course lectures. A conference or institution may have a template that you need to use in presenting in order to adhere with their organizational branding. If you find a template online, make sure that you've chosen one that's simple and easy to read. Don't pick a dark background with light letters. 
In addition to being ugly to look at, yellow letters on a blue background can be more difficult to read for an audience. You should also avoid using a template with pictures on every slide because this can be distracting. Do focus on the content of your slides intently. You want to be simple, be a minimalist, and plan to talk. This means using short phrases and bullets to get across your major talking points, but you should overall plan to do the talking to supplement their brevity. In general, the more white space you have, the better, because it means that you're keeping it simple and speaking to the things that matter. My students know that I'm notorious for simplistic slides because I want you to listen to the lectures and take notes rather than being spoon-fed the information. Don't write in full sentences on your slides. The audience will be compelled to read the entire sentence from start to finish rather than listening to an interesting and in-depth commentary that you have. The one exception to this is if you're using a quote where the whole sentence is highly effective and you plan to both read the quote and then talk about its importance. Do use headings to add organization and clarity for the audience. Give them a frame of reference for what you're talking about and where you are in the presentation. Think of these as chapter titles and section headers that you might use in a textbook. You can also number your slides. This enables the audience to refer to a specific point on a numbered slide at the end of the presentation during the Q&A session. Don't use a cutesy font or a small font size. Comic Sans and Papyrus are never, ever appropriate. Use universally easy-to-read fonts that look professional, such as Times New Roman or Arial. In general, no font on your slide should be less than size 24 font in order for your audience to be able to read them from the back of the room. Do use visuals to your advantage. Smart art, graphs, photographs, and infographics can add visual interest while further augmenting your talking points. Let an interesting photo do the talking for you on a slide all by itself. And if a picture is worth a thousand words, then a graph is worth 10,000. Smart art is a way to add a relationship to words and give a concept to an otherwise unlinked text on the page. And infographics use simplistic pictures, text, and charts to give a higher level review of a topic. You can create infographics for free on websites such as Canva. If you create all of your own visuals using a similar theme, then your presentation will have a cohesive look and aid to how professional it looks. But sometimes you just need to copy paste from Google. But make sure that you're giving credit where credit is due and be aware of any copyright infringement issues. Don't use unnecessary pictures, clip art, or animations just for the sake of it to try to give your presentation interest. It looks messy. A well-laid-out page needs nothing else but a few words and a practice speaker to make it interesting. Your animations should be nothing more than a simple appear, disappear, and a simple transition to the next slide. If your words and pictures are bouncing or twirling into place, then your presentation will lack professionalism. After discussing your conclusions, your presentation should end with a reference slide and a final page. The references page is the one slide where you can use a font that's less than 24 with the goal to fit all the citations on a single slide. 
I like to place an APA citation at the bottom of each slide throughout my presentation so that audience members can later reference the primary source. Your final slide usually solicits questions from the audience and should also include your name and contact information. Now that you've finished your slides, it's time to get ready for the presentation. We'll talk about both live and recorded presentation tactics to make you stand out. First, you need to practice, practice, practice. Think about the speakers who give TED Talks. They don't become these confident, charismatic individuals overnight. They practice dozens of times to make the words flow seamlessly and compel their audience. Practicing does not mean memorizing. You want to come across as knowledgeable and effortless, not stiff and rigid like a robot. You'll memorize the statistics that you need to speak to, but having everything scripted is not necessary. Simply practicing three to four times in full will make you confident with the flow of your speaking points. I like to utilize the notes section below the slide to make my talking points and organize my thoughts. During these practice sessions, it's important to iron out your timing so that you're staying under any time limit. Then it's valuable to force a loved one or a colleague to listen to your final presentation before you're giving it live. In a big conference with a tight schedule, you'll have a proctor in the front row telling you five minutes left, three minutes left, one minute left, and it's very important to stay under that deadline. Now let's talk about some tips and tricks for the big day. First, I want you to dress for the job you want, not the job you have. In general, jeans are never okay for a professional presentation, unless you're on Zoom and you can be business on top, party on the bottom. But a word to the wise, make sure you're plugged into your power source and have everything you need within arm's reach. When I interviewed for my doctoral program, I pulled a lazy move and wore yoga pants with my business suit on top. But I forgot that my power cord was across the room, so when my battery warning beeped, I had to pause our conversation and walk across the room in my yoga pants in front of my future doctoral committee. Thank goodness they were black yoga pants that could pass as real slacks instead of my plaid pajamas. In a live presentation, stay true to who you are in your fashion aesthetic but make sure it looks elevated to a professional setting. Female identifying presenters can choose a skirt or slacks and a blouse with or without a sweater or blazer. Because I get decision fatigue, I usually wear an adult onesie, otherwise known as a dress, with either a cardigan or blazer. Male identifying presenters should wear slacks or chinos, a collared shirt, and a tie at minimum. Depending on how formal the conference is, a full suit may help you look and feel like the professional you are. When you're the presenter on stage, you'll never regret being overdressed above the audience. Pump yourself up for the talk in the bathroom before it's time to get on stage or get on camera. Amy Cuddy from the Harvard Business School gave a TED Talk about her research on how our posture can shape who we are, both who we perceive ourselves to be and how other people judge us. Essentially, she found that you can fake it until you make it. She found that people who stood in strong poses before an interview, think, check out my biceps or the Wonder Woman pose, had improved confidence, which changed their behavior during the interview and inevitably changed the outcome of the interview. So get ready to give your presentation with a Superman pose in the bathroom stall and walk in there like you own the place. In time, you'll find that your expertise in your favorite topics grows, 
and you'll be more and more confident in speaking publicly about them because you ultimately know the ins and outs of the subject matter. There won't be some magical moment that this happens. It's not a light bulb. There's no singular moment of clarity but you'll eventually realize that you've been preparing thoughtfully for so long, going through the motions and faking your confidence and competence in your field that, well, what do you know? You are the confident and charismatic expert in your field. Easier said than done, right? It's nerve wracking to get on stage. I get it. I don't recommend picturing everyone in their underwear. That is far more distracting and potentially disturbing than giving a presentation. Just take a deep breath and do your best. Do your best to slow the happy feet where some people wander endlessly all over the stage or bounce from one foot to the other. Do your best to keep your personality present. Stay loose and don't lose your affect where you sound like a robot devoid of emotion. Do your best to speak slowly and clearly instead of filling every available nanosecond with rapid-fire talk. The year I defended my doctoral work, I made a New Year's resolution. I was going to remove the unnecessary use of like and um from my vocabulary. The result was effective. I speak more slowly, even for a Southerner. And sometimes that slow speech is filled with pregnant pauses where instead of the like or um filler, I simply pause to find my words. I'll admit it, it isn't perfect, but it's far less distracting and luckily I can edit those out in the podcast. But in the presentation, I simply do my best to share all this wonderful knowledge I have with my audience. It is so important for you to get comfortable speaking in front of your peers because you need to disseminate your work, share your knowledge, and push yourself to make the most of your career. Don't be nervous. You got this. And now you've got all the tools for building a smart professional PowerPoint too. Just like the conclusions from Amy Cuddy, don't just fake it till you make it. Fake it till you become it. I hope that you'll like and subscribe to the Peds NP, where I try to bring application of our evidence-based concepts to life in the podcast. There is no financial support or conflict of interest in this or any episode of the Peds NP. Find me on Instagram at the Peds NP podcast. You can see show notes and references to this episode and all of my prior episodes at www.thepedsnp.com. I'd love to hear from you, the listeners, on any questions or comments you have. So feel free to email me at thepedsnp@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I'm Becky Carson. Take care.